हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब सो टुडे आई हैव विद मी अनुरेखा घोष अनुरेखा दी इज वन ऑफ द फाइनेस्ट इंटरनेशनली अक्लेम बीबीसी अवार्ड विनिंग इंडियन क्लासिकल कथक डांसर्स हर टेक्निक एंड स्टाइल इज अ कॉम्बिनेशन ऑफ ट्रेडिशन एंड मॉडर्निटी शी हैज शोन हर एक्सेलेंस इन कोरियोग्राफी बीट इन द क्लासिकल और कंटेम्प्रेरी जॉनर she has been cleaned in, uh, she has been trained in classical kathak dance specializing in the lucknow gharana since her childhood under the guidance of shrimati meera majumdar ji and shrimati moshmi shen in kolkata anurekha ji has moved to the united kingdom in 92 and took further training in kathak with guru pratap pawar guru pratap pawar she has received extensive training under the renowned kathak exponent nahid siddiqui from pakistan she received advanced talim from tabla exponent pandit dinanath mishra Of Anaras Gharana, she is fortunate to receive in-depth guidance and talim from the finest Kathak exponent and guru, Shrimati Durga Arya. She has learned the art of Kalari Pair to a South Indian martial arts at CVN Kalari, Kerala. She has trained in vocal music from Shrimati Shagotalokshi Dashgupta in Kolkata. Anurakhati has performed in the major theaters and festivals all over the world as a soloist or with her company productions. She has performed in USA, Canada, all over Europe. India, Estonia, Japan, <laughs> Pakistan, Indonesia, and the UK, including the Royal Opera House, London, South Bank Centre, South Bank Centre, London, Edinburgh Fringe Festival, Madison Square Gardens, New York, Festival of Pairs, uh, Morocco, sharing the stage as a soloist with Pandit Ravi Shankar and Anushka Shankar, and Edinburgh International Festival, Scotland, New York Kathak Festival, USA, Dance Nation Festival, USA. Oh, and the Vande Mataram festival organized by the Sangeet Natak Academy New Delhi to name a few she has choreographed and created many classical and contemporary productions for her company Anurekha Ghosh and company Anurekha ji how are you I am very good how are you pretty good pretty good and at this point I like to thank Pandit Divyang Vakil ji for introducing me to you thank and you and i guess to get started Anurekha ji i know that you kind of recently transitioned from UK to India so could you tell us what that transition has been like for you Sure. Uh, well, I'll start off that. What was the reason for me to make such a big decision of moving from the West to India? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have been in working in the West with my own company uh, for about twelve years, and uh, it has been amazing. And today, I owe a lot to United Kingdom because it has really taught me how an artist should be motivated. inspired and how we should work in terms of the arts fraternity looking from a professional point of view because often you know as artists we are in this whole world whole whimsical world where we are flowing with our emotions etc but it is so equally important for arts to be converted into a more commercial perspective so um the company was touring uh, in different parts of uk as well as different parts of the world but however at one point i kind of felt that you know i would like to go back to my tradition to my roots and um uk being a hybrid country where the importance of the focus was more on contemporary dance and not traditional dance and i realized that you know 
tradition or kathak is something that i am absolutely adhered to in terms of my roots in terms of my connection and that is my love so um that is where i decided that if i have to do kathak uh, seriously with my whole passion then i have to first move back to india secondly um i realized that you know the transition is going not going to be easy because there's no infrastructure within india and uh, you know the uh, arts still in india uh, it it is in terms of the vocational activities i wouldn't say that you know it is really taken in that serious manner yes there are thousands and thousands of brilliant dancers and brilliant choreographers and the masters are all from india the great gurus are here but uh, when it comes to youngsters trying to make a career in the arts fraternity it's not easy uh but always what i wanted to do is you know focus on one thing and not do too many things at the at the same time so for me it was like i wanted to remain as a full time dancer uh and do a full time professional dance related activity within india uh the first couple of years were difficult but i wouldn't say that you know when i'm kind of saying difficult uh yes i was trying to know more about how it all works within the indian infrastructure trying to know the organizers mm. uh and also i was quite focused with my own practice with my own learning with my own dedication mm. and slowly and gradually i tried to find my way through where people tried to Uh, know about my work they started inviting me for different mm. festivals and that's how i started making the transition and today i have got no repentance of uh, you know moving from uk to india i'm absolutely happy and elated and i think that's a wonderful decision that i made for myself hmm thanks for giving us a background on that so anrika ji just so we have some idea like when you moved to india how long have you been doing kathak already um well i started kathak when i was 3 and a half mm -hmm. so you know um i would say um i was already doing kathak for 30 years so i guess i guess my question was if you've been doing kathak for 30 years when you came to india what was the first, and you said you spent the first few years learning so what were the things mm -hmm. you focused on learning when you transitioned back to india what was your focus then you see living in the west and working in the west mm -hmm. uh, what it made me do is to work in a very disciplined structure uh when i say disciplined structure all my productions were minute to minute choreographed nothing was left loose uh so it was kind of you know everything was in a serious kind of discipline whereas when i look to uh, look at kathak or look at the indian classical music and dance uh a lot of it comes from the improvisational aspect or perspective and improvisation is just not going to come in a in one day it is something that you acquire you try to first learn the vocabulary and then you start forming your own improvisations so there's a lot of loose structure there's a lot of loose emotions that's going around 
So this is where, uh, you know, I realized that I first need to learn more about the uh, the deep roots of Kathak. I know the technique of Kathak, but do I know the roots of Kathak? The answer was simply no. Jaise Hindi mein kehte ki ek silsila hona chahiye. To wo silsila kaise kare? How do I form? Because I always wanted to become a soloist. But, you know, for me, soloist is, is just not going onto the stage and dancing 10 minutes solo piece. How do I elaborate a one hour concert? How do I work with the live musicians? How do I interact with the musicians? How do I develop right from the beginning of my solo till the end of my solo? What are the compositions? How do I set them? What goes behind? What goes after? So these were the things that I realized that I was completely lacking knowledge. Uh, and I needed to work with musicians in order to acquire that. And then while doing that, the furthermore I started going deeply into Kathak, I realized the next thing that I needed was the intricacies, the nuances, the barikya of the dance form. Because, you know, after training for about, say, 20, 25 years, yes, the technique, the power, the content is there. But when it comes to the presentation, when it comes to the intricacies, that was completely lacking in me. And that I realized after returning back from UK, that dance is just not about the physical power. So this is the, the second thing that I'm trying to still acquire. And I'm again, very, very fortunate to receive the guidance from Durgaria Didi. Uh, you know, she's one of the finest exponents who has got all these intricacies, mm -hmm. all these nazakat, uh, and how to beautifully write sentences of Kathak uh, hmm. with, with the continuous flow of it hmm. um, and her choreography, everything that is, you know, something that I'm trying to acquire still. Understood. And you talked about, say, infrastructure and Rikhadi. Um, when you talk about the infrastructure that needs to come up or is lacking in India, what kind of inf infrastructure would you like to see come up or what, what would help dancers in this yeah. context? You see, when I first entered into dance as a profession, yes. I was very young. I was about to, in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, I applied to the Arts Council of UK. So in the UK, we have this Arts Council, which is a government body. Mm -hmm. And uh, the artists get funded from the Arts Council of UK. So I applied to Arts Council and I first got the professional development funding. Mm. Uh, that funding allowed me mm -hmm. to, first of all, understand the professional part of the yeah. dance fraternity, understand how to develop a company, mm. uh, go back to India, train with some of the masters, come back right. and uh, form your own company. Mm. After that, I then again applied for funding and I got the production grant mm -hmm. and, you know, getting all these grants were really helpful. Mm -hmm. And also within the company structure, I had this administrator, I had a marketing person, yeah. I had a press person. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I had uh, a, 
a, a production manager. I had sound managers. So it's like, you know, the whole unit was working with hmm. So that gave me a so much support that it's just not me on my own. I have hmm. a team. Okay. So I don't have to look into how to get funding. There would be mm-hmm. someone who will take up my idea and she would sit down and she would write the funding application. Mm. There would be someone who would be going out to the venues approaching with my work mm. and saying that, you know, would you like to host Anreka, uh, Anreka's company and um, do her concerts? Right. There would be an educational officer who would be taking my work up to the schools and, uh, you know, mm. selling the workshop. And were these people so, you hi- were hiring or they were coming from a council or something? No, uh, of course, you know, uh, as a part of my company, I was hiring all Okay, got people. you. Yeah. Uh, but then because I had the funding, so I could pay everyone a salary. Hmm. So they were all working on a full-time salary. Okay. Got it. So... Yeah, this is how, you know, it would be working. So even on the tour, I'll have my production manager. I'll have my producer with me. Hmm. And they're all kind of sitting behind to give me all the support that I needed so that the show runs very smoothly. The dancers will be all paid. So this is something that I would definitely like to look look into the Indian uh, mm. continent that you know if we have an arts council without any politics and this I would definitely underline mm. mm-hmm. because uh, it should be on a fair basis mm. the quality of the artists the quality uh, of the work should be appreciated and not who knows whom this is what goes in India Thanks, Andrekhadi. I guess uh, the next thing I want to ask you when you talk about infrastructure is since you're kind of based in Kolkata and that's a little bit away from Delhi, I've always been curious since like Kathakendra is in Delhi, ICCR in Delhi, yeah. that's the nation's capital, a lot of fo- the yeah. focus, attention, resources, recognition goes there. So how does hmm. that affect how, how does that affect your dance practice and how you approach Kathak and practicing the art form in India? Well, there are two uh, parts to it. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the professional uh, side of it, yes, it does affect because, you know, if you are based in Delhi, then you are exposed to a lot of more opportunities. And uh, Delhi being the hub of Kathak. So obviously, you know, people are going to first uh, look for Kathak dancers out of Delhi and then they are going to move into other parts of the country. Uh, also, you know, living outside of Delhi, we don't get to hear all the opportunities as well. But then, you know, uh, the way I look at it is that it really doesn't matter where you are based. If your work is good, if you believe in your work, then the work starts spreading and people come to know about you. And that's exactly what has happened to me. So I never, I never kind of, you know, Uh, went to organizers, they came to me, they Mm. uh, contacted me, uh, they came to know about my work. So more or less now, I would say more or less everybody knows about my work. Mm. Uh, But, you know, I have always lived in Calcutta after moving back from UK. And I will continue living in Calcutta because Calcutta is a cultural hub as well. And uh, the best of the musicians are in Calcutta. And it's a different setting of work uh, where we get to connect on a much more friendly 
basis with the musicians. It's a relaxed atmosphere. Uh, the commercial uh, side of the economy of the country is not still uh, exhibited so much in Calcutta. So, you know, that relaxation part I really enjoy in Calcutta. Got you. And uh, in term, and since you're talking about Calcutta, like how have you like, and you've seen that, uh, what is the Kathak scene in Calcutta like these days? Just curious about that. Mm-hmm. The young generations really kind of brumming with uh, the Kathak. Uh, uh, you know, many young people are uh, looking into Kathak as a career, mm-hmm. and they are all practicing seriously. So there are a lot of festivals happening in Calcutta. Uh, in Calcutta, almost like every day, there going to be about 10 to 12 concerts because um, it, it is a very cultural place. And uh, you get a very good, knowledgeable audience in Calcutta. Mm. So dancing in Calcutta is not easy. Uh, you have all the best of musicians and best of dancers sitting in front of you. Right. Uh, so you are scared uh, because they don't let you just, you know, just go up onto the stage and perform. I see. Got it. So Calcutta has got a very learned audience, and I—that's what I really enjoy when mm-hmm. I'm performing in Calcutta. That I have to work very hard on stage. Mm-hmm. They are not going to take easy things on stage. I see. So when you say you have to work hard and things that aren't easy, uh, can you give us an example of what you would do for a learned audience that you wouldn't typically do for, like, say, more normal quote-unquote audience? Yeah. Uh, like, you know, always I hear this from Guruji mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you have to, uh, for example, if you are performing uh, in Calcutta, I will be thinking of the best compositions, uh, different kinds of compositions, compositions which will attract the tabla players, compositions which will attract the mass. So uh, I will be putting a lot of my thoughts into the compositional perspective. Uh, I will be looking into different tal structures. And uh, recently I've been working with, for example, 10 and a half beats, which has been quite widely appreciated. So I will be kind of, you know, going a little way out to think how I can make my performance very attractive to a wide range of people. Understood. And... I guess on that note, I want to talk about your productions a bit. So since, you know, you've had these transitions, you've performed so many places and throughout your career, how have you seen your productions evolve over time as you've evolved with the form? Yeah. Um, In the beginning, you see, when I started going back in the year 2001, Mm. uh, I was a different person. uh, And I was still kind of, you know, trying trying to search myself. What do I like? Uh, what would I like to do? Mm-hmm. So my career started with a blend of contemporary dance and Kathak. Okay. And uh, right from the beginning, you see, I had this um, uh, quite a strong affinition of writing different concepts. Hmm. And it was more abstract concepts. Uh, my fa- first production was based upon the concept of time. As in time, looking from the time when a baby is born, a time uh, in terms of the machines. 
So it was very modern, abstract concepts. Mm. One of my productions was based upon the ruins, the archaeological ruins, the emotional ruins, the modern ruins, and the solution to ruins. Mm. So, you know, these things I used to write down. And then obviously dance was, dance is my communicative language. Mm. So I would translate those writing into my productions. And they were a blend of, as I say, contemporary work, but born out of Kathak. Okay. And uh, during the uh, first five, six years, mm -hmm. I was collaborating with the top-notch choreographers of India as well as abroad. Mm -hmm. So I was collaborating with, for example, Mark Baldwin, uh, Andre Gingras, so all these modern choreographers in order to uh, in order to present work in the British diaspora. Mm. Uh, and also Padma Shri, uh, Padma Bhushan right now, Kumudini Lakhya Ji. Uh, uh, then um, I worked with Aditi Mangaldas. So I was working with the top-notch choreographers trying to formulize, uh, formulize my own choreographic uh, vocabulary. And uh, then later on, I realized that I'm more into the traditional or the classical idiom of the work. And that's what attracts me. Mm. So there has been quite a big transition from presenting modern work into pure classical work. So on because the first 10, yeah, the first 10 years, I was presenting less of classical work and mm -hmm. more mod modern work. And so on, on that note, Rekhadi, was that like you had a light bulb moment and, some, and one day you were like, I want to present more traditional or was that a gradual thing? How did that, how did that switch happen in your head? Uh, the switch happened, uh, you know, as I was uh, growing up, I realized how much uh, affection I have towards tradition. Mm. And um, I realized that, you know, pure classical music gives me more happiness right. than fusion music. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, fusion is bad. I'm not saying uh, modern work is bad. I love mm -hmm. watching them. But uh, when it comes for me practicing it, I realize that I want to practice pure classical work. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, I love to choreograph modern work, but I would not like to perform so much in modern work anymore. Understood. And we'll go into tradition query, uh, after this. But one thing I'm very curious about, you talked about collaborating a lot with a lot of famous people, whether that's UK, India and all that. One thing I'm very curious about, Anrika Di, how uh, like you, one thing you said is that, you know, your work will speak for itself. But in terms of going out and building these connections and collaborating, what has your process been? How have you felt like, how has you have, how have you done that for yourself in terms of building those connections in the first place? Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, there would be a seed of thought that would come into my mind mm -hmm. and that has to attract my soul first. So I have to believe okay. uh, in the in the initial process of this is the right thing that I want to do. Do I really want to do? Mm. So I would be asking many questions to myself first. Right. And then when the answers are very strongly, yes, 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 yes. Then I would be looking out for uh, for many artists, going to their concerts, watching their concerts, mm. and see if I'm attracted to their work. I see. Then, 
I would go on for a coffee with them and, you know, first of all, find my similarities uh, in terms of what I like, what I don't like, whether they like it or not. Mm. So kind of trying to find a similar wavelength in terms of, you know, the day-to-day art stalking. Mm. And when I realized that, yes, he or she is someone whom I really would like to work then you know I would be inviting that person to my studio uh, for a couple of jamming sessions Mm. and when those jamming sessions uh, are working and when there's a lot of excitement between each other that yes we definitely want to do this collaboration and this is going to work then only I'll be going towards the final process where I'll say that, okay, let's collaborate, let's do this production together. And uh, at times, you know, there will be uh, confusions, there there will be uh, contradictions, there'll be controversies. Mm -hmm. But I always believe that, you know, unless there's like controversies, unless there's like, you know, Mm -hmm. me saying no and the other person saying yes, uh, good work cannot come out. So there will be fights. There will be fights in between, mm. but uh, I always appreciate uh, healthy fights. Uh, if that leads to a good collaboration, a good piece of work, then why not? Mm. And then at one point, we start developing the trust. And the trust is a very important factor in a collaboration. Mm. Because there are certain things that I believe or I may do good. There are certain things that I may not be good at it. Hmm. So then I have to leave it for the other person to take the decision and move on about it. Um, And uh, I I also believe in this process where we have to listen to each other. Uh, It's it's not about the ego that I am right, Hmm. but um, it's kind of breaking the ego factor and saying that what works for the production. Hmm. So there has to be a lot of give and take in a collaboration. And so far, you know, uh, what I really enjoyed is uh, with all my collaborators, even after we have finished our work, Mm -hmm. I still have a very good relationship. There's a lot of excitement saying that let's again work together. Mm. This leaves me with the positive note that, yes, we had a good piece of work and we want to carry on with our friendship an artistic uh, exchange. Stern. So a lot of things you said are interesting because if, if you look at some, if you look at how to network on LinkedIn and stuff, a lot of the principles apply in the sense you don't come in with saying, I need this from you. you and you're actually kind of evaluating everyone and not collaborating with someone just because they're a big name. You spend time mm-hmm. into getting to know them. And that's very interesting. And one thing I'm very yeah. interested in logistically, Anrekhadi, when you're kind of collaborating with someone, how do you handle like, you know, because there's costs associated with productions, there's ticket sales and all that. So do you usually do a 50 <laughs> or it's kind of a situation-based thing where every, every person is responsible for this much percentage when it comes to ticket sales and things like that? How do you handle those logistics? You see, um, you know, coming back to India, returning back to India, what I realized is, first of all, the production cost, cost has to be a shared 50-50 mm. cost. Right. So th- this is something that I work right in the beginning that mm. it's, uh, you see, with artists, what happens is we go with the flow of our emotions mm. and we don't look into the practical side of it. Right. But I, I simply hate that the first thing I would be doing is to work out the practical logistics. Mm. 
and be very clear that this is my part and this is the collaborator's part. Hmm. And are we happy uh, entering into it? Because right. what happens is, you know, we can uh, we can approach a work emotionally, and then hmm. later everything falls apart. Okay. Uh, this is not on. So with every little move that we do, mm-hmm. there is a cost factor. Even if I'm mm-hmm. spending, say, five hours, five hours should be uh, should be put into a monetary factor. Mm-hmm. That what am I getting out of it? Yeah. Uh, is it worth putting in the, those five hours into a discussion? Mm-hmm. Is it going to lead into somewhere? Mm-hmm. So I work out a budget right from the beginning, okay. and then say, say that you know this is going to be our shared cost. And mm. then looking into the further opportunities that uh, whether we are selling the show, whether an organizer is paying us fees, how do we divide the fees? How mm. do we first take back the production cost that we invested? Uh, so these are the things that I would be very, very clear right from the beginning. Understood. And if it is a production that... Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of my production and I've invited someone to become a collaborator, then do I pay that person a fee? Mm. And I own the production. So whatever is the profit, whatever is the fees coming on, I take it. Mm. So these things have to be worked right at the beginning oh. instead of keeping it loose. Mm. It's good to, say, good to learn about the different models that can happen under and what you think about Nrikadi. And so going back to tradition, you know, I think a lot of times we we fall into the trap of thinking of that tradition is kind of static, but it kind of tradition itself evolves over time. So I guess in the context of Kathak, in the context of your art form and your company, how has how do you feel like how do you feel like tradition has evolved? You see, uh, you know, looking at Kathak um, in the past and looking at Kathak now, first of all, we are all performing for very big stages, so it's a huge space. And this is something that I would kind of quote from Kumudiniji's um, uh, words that she always she always insists on the fact that if there is an empty space between one dancer and another dancer, how do you deal with that space? How do you interact with that space? So you are kind of in a duet. If, if, if I'm dancing, say, a solo work, hmm. then I'm not dancing a solo work. I'm in a duet with the space. If I'm doing a duet or a trio, then again, you know, the, we have to consider the space on my right side, the space on my left side, the space forward, the space backwards. So uh, there are many, many possibilities. Hmm. Secondly, uh, looking at the time span, this is again something that I uh, I have learned from the West that every second, every minute is extremely important. Mm. Because the seconds builds up to minute, the minute builds up to an hour. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, this is Kumi Ben's uh, concept of choreography mm. that after seven seconds, uh, the eyes are looking for something else. So you need to change. Huh. So, um, now that you know, when I'm presenting Kathak, I'm always kind of questioning myself that uh, is it attractive enough for my eyes as an audience? Mm. 
Do I like my work? And often the answer has been no. Oh. Uh, and in the last two years of Corona, this is again something I really cherish upon mm -hmm. because we were doing a lot of work for video, for camera. True. And um, every time I would be uh, putting on a camera, trying to film myself, uh, I ended up filming myself for 25 times, 50 times. For one video? For one video. Wow, okay. You know, I didn't like it. Mm. And then I would just chuck it away and again, redo it, redo it, re redo it until right. I felt like, yes, it is attractive enough. Mm. So I was not only looking from me being a dancer, but right. I was also looking from an audience point of view. Mm. So me being an audience. Understood. Uh, and then looking at the physicality or the virtuosity of the dance form, uh, Kathak, it's, it's a high energetic dance form. Mm -hmm. So that high energy has to be, uh, it cannot be a raw energy. Mm. Like in flamenco dance, the Spanish flamenco, you yeah. have this raw energy coming out. Mm. But Kathak has got its sophistication. Mm. And, you know, this is something that I have been uh, so much learning from Durga Didi. Mm. I've been, I've been uh, learning this from Durga Didi that how mm -hmm. to conserve the energy yet give your full, yet give the full power mm -hmm. and bring out the sophistication of the dance form as well. Mm. Understood. So the stylization. Mm. Okay. So you talked about space and sophistication and looking at it from an audience perspective and Anurikati, that kind of informs my next question in the sense you know some sometimes we kind of uh, like at least for me you I kind of end up being like overtly critical about myself versus something that is actually you know something that needs changing so how do you balance that for yourself versus, you know if you're kind of going through 50 videos how how do you figure out okay this is me being excessively critical and this is something that actually needs changing that will make it better how do you find that balance for yourself and evaluate your own work uh, you see, after, you know, I've filmed myself, I will look at it at least five, six times mm -hmm. and then see what is working and what is not working, mm. whether it's me or yeah. it's the choreography or it's how I performed it. Mm -hmm. So I'll first figure out in a way the problem is. Mm -hmm. And then again, in a redo, the redo, the performance for myself a couple of times and then again go for filming and see whether you know it has changed or does it look exactly what I did before right um this is how I've been evaluating my work and even you know there's been times where uh, after filming for the first mm -hmm. day I left it came back to it after three four days but during those three, four days, I was constantly uh, thinking about it. I was constantly looking at the past films okay. and see that, you know, what else can be done. Hmm. And if, if I was stuck, then I definitely sought help. I sent it to my, uh, to my gurus. I sent <laughs> it to my fellow friends and asked them that, what hmm. do you think about it? Understood. So you kind of, yeah, you kind of give yourself, sometimes you give yourself time, sometimes you 
give uh you look at the videos again and sometimes you just you, you know the people you trust to get exactly. feedback from and one thing yeah. i was very interested you, you mentioned uh, like space and one thing one of the reasons i reached out to you is i was very I, i found it very interesting the space you had created in your living room when you were creating the videos in quarantine so could you, uh, mm. it looks like a lot of work went into it so could you tell us a little bit about how you created that space for yourself where you create the videos that we see on your instagram mm-hmm. uh you see in the beginning when we started um this whole lockdown uh and working from home there were many people who were asking me for live concerts and i was quite skeptical about that i was reluctant uh because i never thought of exposing my personal space or personal life to the outside world and i like to keep my professional and my personal uh, environment absolutely wide separately uh so um in the beginning i was not sure that how do i present myself how do i present my work within my personal space within my home studio uh in just you know looking at the white walls and uh without any lights just a barren kind of walls going and i'm dancing there because that for me was more of a rehearsal mode uh and then i thought about that why don't i create a performance space like we see a 3d kind of a studio black studio space and um, i always had this affination of uh, designing sets um so uh, i thought that okay let me kind of design some sets which will make it a more interesting space mm-hmm. and then in terms of the lighting i didn't have like a huge budget yeah. so i thought okay how do i use minimal resources in order to create an effective lighting so that it gives me the feeling that i'm performing in a 3d studio mm-hmm. Uh, so this is how i kind of started and yes it started working uh, right from the beginning when i was presenting live concerts people were saying wow anureka you know it feels like you are dancing uh, you are dancing in a stage it doesn't feel like you are dancing from home mm-hmm. and uh, then i got a lot of opportunity from us especially where um, people uh, organizers asked me to film work Mm-hmm. so i was kind of creating dance for camera dance for dance for screen right and uh, you see again uh, working in uk working very closely with light designers with set yeah. makers with scenographers uh, mm-hmm. i had a lot of experience of how to create such effective uh, you know lighting sets etc so those were the knowledge i was constantly using in order to create my film work understood and i guess on that note if you do go back on stage or when you go back on stage do you think you'd bring some of that with you and do some of your set design and work with some of the light if you do get back on stage is that something you'd bring with you definitely definitely this is something that i would be definitely exploring uh you know when we go back to the stage because uh previously you see what uh, used to happen is uh, we used to kind of think that okay the light designer is there the set maker is there so i'm just going to you know throw all the responsibility on to their shoulders but now it's going to change because even like my video editing i always do it for myself hmm uh so yeah anurekha the i guess um, since for my last question i wanted to ask you for you what would you like your legacy to be 
It's a very, very interesting question for me because I believe in the roots, I believe in the tradition, and I believe in the tradition to be moving forward. So then, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm kind of saying that the tradition should be moving forward, obviously we are looking into the legacy that is already created by our masters. And I've been very fortunate that I've had the opportunity to see many, many great masters, uh, be it in Calcutta, be it in Delhi, uh, right from my childhood. And I've been seeing their performances since the age of five. Uh, so by this time of being with Kathak for over 38 years, uh, more or less, you know, I've understood that what is the entire kingdom of Kathak that, you know, these masters have created? And then what is our role as classical artists? Of course, you know, we are living in the 21st century where uh, it is extremely important to invent, innovate, and, you know, do experiments. Fine with it. Uh, you know, I like to obviously explore new things. I like to explore new movements, new vocabulary, new rhythmic language. So that, that's a creation on my part. However, when I look at the creation that is created by the masters, it's absolutely a wonder for me. So then, you know, within my mind, I would like to carry those forward and not forget about this because young generation, you know, today they are not getting this exclusive opportunity to witness the masters. For example, you know, if I uh, talk about Pandit Birju Maharaj Ji, uh, Mahapatra Ji, we have had the fortunate opportunity to witness them, many concerts, be with them in a very close association. But the young generation, they have not seen the magic these legends have created or they can create. So it is an extremely important part on our role as teachers, as uh, performers, as carrier forwards, that we should carry these compositions, uh, teach the young generation, show them how it was presented by the legends and how it should be carried forward. Like, you know, whenever I teach old compositions, even Guruji's compositions, Pandit Divyang Vakilji's compositions, I always say that, you know, these are the precious gems. So you need to handle them with a lot of care. So it's not something that, you know, you learn a composition and you just do it. I never like to do that. I would rather like to process it, take enormous time to feel the compositions, to feel the rhythmic uh, intricacies, the language, the vocabulary, understand the structures, and then try to emote or portray it myself. Try, also trying to kind of find the emotions that they carried when they were making it. And then, you know, try to dance it. So uh, I wouldn't dance a, like composition which I get today. It would take me at least, you know, seven to eight weeks for me to do it, present it properly on stage. So in a way, you know, uh, sometimes I feel that am I kind of old fashioned? Well, if I'm dwelling in the classical world, then I would like to be old fashioned because that's the way to get it. There's no shortcut process.
Nothing is like a, you know, eating like a junk food. You have to process it. You have to live with it. You have to taste it. You have to feel the emotions and then go for rigorous practice, riyas, and then present. So it's like just not the composition, but it's the name of the legends. And they are the ones who have been creating the magic. So if I'm presenting any of their compositions, any of their kind of legacy that I'm carrying forward, I have a lot of responsibility. That's how I feel about the legacy, carrying it forward to the young generation. Today, in this digital world, the young minds are constantly flicking from this channel to that channel to so many different entertainments around. Uh, fortunately, I'll say we didn't have that. And again, we were lucky of not having so many choices. Whereas today, there's so much to choose from. Um, the brains, the young people, they, have, they are really intelligent people, but provided they know how to channelize their intelligence. You know, because um, like when I'm teaching my young kids, uh, they respond so well to rhythm, but they've gone through five years of me constantly talking, finding ways uh, of how to understand rhythm and not just copy it. Many people are trying to copy things from YouTube, from different channels. That's not the process. No, you need to, if, even if you are learning from a digital world, there's no harm in it. But as long as you are trying to make it your own, and that will take a long process. So that's how I'm training my young people, that they should be understanding it and not just like a parrot uttering it. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, finally kind of talking about the future of the legacy. We are the ones who set the future and we are the ones who destroy the future. So we have a lot of responsibility. We are carrying this old age art form. It has to be handled with a lot of care because we don't have the right to destroy it. Rather, we have the right to handle it with a lot of care, a lot of worship and take it forward so that the world pays that respect to the legacy that is created. So, okay. Um, from what I understand, you talked about the past, present and future in the sense, carrying forward what has been passed on to you. When you teach your students, you teach them the process and not just composition for the sake of it and taking it forward, knowing that you have that responsibility. Um, yeah, that's a great way to end this episode. And Rekhadi, just to recap, we talked about, you know, you talked about your move to India, why you moved here. We talked about, I think one of the things I really liked is when you talked about the nitty gritties of collaboration, who does what and how much to contribute, who pays for whatever. I think those are really good practical details to have. And yeah, and, 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 and talking about Kathak in West Bengal and how it, and since it's, it's kind of away from the capital, how that affects your work and how just doing good work is important and yeah, on ending on legacy. So thank you so much. It's been fun doing this. I learned a lot and yeah, appreciate you coming on again. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you, uh, talking about the art form that I love, the art form that I carry, and the art form uh, upon which my life exists. So I breathe Kathak and I live with Kathak.